everyone. Welcome back to the Siphon Tips Nerd Alert Podcast. It's a deep dive week here on the show. I'm your host, James Huang. A couple years ago on the site, you may have caught an article by our legendary Ian Chalower about a new crowdfunding bike sensation called Superstrata. Uh, if you don't recognize the name, you probably recognize the bike. It's a crazy carbon fiber concoction that has no seat tube. And two years on, turns out this is not just vaporware because sitting with me here in the office is Superstrata CEO, Sonny Vu. Sonny, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and actually, before, before we get... Uh, I guess, into the subject too much of the bike itself. I guess um, I just caught myself in a little bit of, a, of an error because you're not actually the CEO of Superstrata per se because Superstrata, from what I understand, is is basically a brand name, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the the, the mother company, the company is is Arivo and we're an industrial tech company. So we're, uh, we develop uh, advanced manufacturing technology to hopefully transform the way uh, we make stuff. And the vision that we have is to make, lightweighting cheaper because right now making things light while a good thing to do is actually pretty expensive. And I guess the other thing is from from kind of like a, a, a general consumer goods sort of thing, people have heard an awful lot these days about sort of the, the cost of shipping and the, the energy consumption, that sort of thing. And cyclists certainly are aware that as things get lighter, it requires less energy to move that thing around, be it us or a bike. So if you make everything lighter, then all of a sudden things just require a lot less energy to move around, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of the most important, it's just a very worthy problem to work on. You know, there's a lot, a lot of things we can work on in the tech world, um, in, the, in the biking world. Um, but, uh, and making things lighter, I think is definitely high on that list because it's, you know, if we're going to be worried about the climate, you know, I think this is a great thing to work on. So we're, we're definitely going to talk plenty about, uh, the bike itself, but, um, I kind of want to talk more about what your parent company is doing. Uh, can you go into sure. any detail as far as any of the specific projects you all are working on? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Arivo uh, automates the design and production of carbon fiber composite parts. Uh, that's what we do. And we started life making uh, parts for aerospace uh, partners uh, such as Airbus. You know, they're actually an investor in the company. Uh, early investor, and for Obayashi, which is a construction company in uh, Japan, a development company in Japan, one of the largest, I think, in Japan. Um, and so we, we were we started uh, life very much as a very typical industrial tech company. Um, and uh, so that was for about six years. I joined uh, two and a half years ago, and I thought, you know what, let's let's uh, let's get things going. You know, it's been six years. We gotta we gotta let's pick it up because you know the world needs lights lightweight stuff. And so we said, I know, let's let's do a consumer product. Let's do uh, bicycles. You know, I mean, it was kind of a crazy idea at the time um, because it's like this kind of high-end aerospace technology being used for for a bike, right? But uh, I thought it would be just a great way to um, to show what we can do uh, as one application. And so that, that that was kind of how we got started. And um, little did we know, it's actually quite hard to make a bike. But, uh, but in terms of printing the bike frame, that was something we could readily do. You know, we just had to engineer that and, and print it. It took some time, but we, we, we figured out how to do that. And... Um, yeah, and then we thought, oh, let's. And then people thought, oh, you're a bike company. I'm like, no, no, no. That the bike really is just a demonstration. Um, the project was was quite way more successful than we had anticipated. We were planning only only doing a few hundred bikes, but then you know we had we end up with 4,500 backers, which is <laughs> 20x more than what we expected. So we were pretty overwhelmed. 
but we to counter the whole, you know, you're a bike company thing because we really wanted to get the word out that we can really help you if you needed a composite solution fast. Um, and so we made a scooter, the Scotsman scooter, which is an e-scooter, uh, like a, one of those kick scooters that you, you can ride around in. So we made a carbon fiber, we printed a carbon fiber uh, um, a scooter uh, as it just made a prototype. We posted that. That did pretty well as well. And we thought, okay, we, we need to stop. Like, we, okay, we got it. There's interest. And then people thought, oh, you're a mobility company. I'm like, no, no, no. We're, <laughs> no, I'm telling you. And so we actually intended, we thought, okay, what is something that definitely does not move that we can print to prove, to show what we can do? I know. How about a chair? <laughs> and so we printed the Mishima lounge uh, chair in Ottoman. And that was a lot of fun. We made these chairs. Um, and there, there was some interest in that. You know, we haven't really formally launched that, by the way. We we kind of put up the website just to see if how people respond, but then we we haven't pushed. And then, anyways, uh, just uh, long story short, we uh, because of all the interest in in the Superstrata, we decided to pause these other projects at least just for now, so that we can focus on delivering bikes. Sure. I mean, if nothing else, you sort of have the immediate demand, like, oh crap, we have all this. We took in all this money from people, yeah, and yeah. we have all this commitment to fulfill a product, and kind of have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we 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 are laser focused on that right now because um, you know a lot of people trusted us to to do it. Laser I mean, focused. <laughs> yeah, no, no pun intended. <laughs> well, maybe it was, a <laughs> but uh, we you know we've we've uh, it's if we've had our fair share of struggles. I mean, like Superstrata, we are we're we're totally late. We we get it. Um it's been, you know, we we launched in July 2020. We promised and then we finished the campaign in October. We promised that we would ship start shipping the first bikes by the end of December 2020. And we did. We shipped a couple bikes uh, at that point, but then we we thought there's no way. I mean, we only have six printers here in Milpitas. It's going to take us years to print the other <laughs> thousand, you know, how you know, three it would end up being 3500 bikes. It's going to take us, I, I think it, we ended up calculating it was like five years to print those bikes with six printers, you know, even no matter how fast they are, it's going to take forever. So we made the difficult decision to say, okay, you know what, we're going to just stop printing bikes and just focus on making more printers. Okay. Um, I guess just to to back up just a little bit, to be clear, so Arivo, like you said, it, it, you're not a bike company per se, but mm. essentially it sounds like you are really kind of like a, almost kind of like a lean manufacturing company with a focus on Carbon fiber 3D printing. That's right. That's okay. right. So we 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 would be making you know. So if you were making a jet ski and you wanted a carbon fiber jet ski, send us your CAD. We would print it. If you like it, we can instantly go to production. That's the whole idea. Print what you need, and that's it. And also eventually, so the the vision is to be able to to be able to make a production quality part very fast because you don't have to have tools because it's 3D printed. And to print only what you need. So if you get orders, we print. If you don't, we'll print for someone else. And third is to do it locally. Um, that's that's not uh, going to be a reality this year, but uh, we the plan is starting next year we'll be able to print in the United States and in Europe. And to be clear, these are not sort of like the little desktop print, 3D printers that no. people are used to. Like these are these are serious pieces of machinery. We can probably print things the size of the desktop printers. Uh, so the. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. The, the, our print volume is one cubic meter, and the printer itself is the size of a container, like a, a semi truck back. So okay. it, they're they're large. These are industrial systems. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a production inter, production speed, production build volume, 
Right. And it's for making real stuff. You're no. not, you know, clicking a few clicks on the on your computer and ordering ordering one of these off of Amazon or something. No, no, no. <laughs> it's it's a, it's definitely a more even designing for our process takes time. You know, there's a product engineering phase. You know, you can't just it's not like you're uploading a PDF file and you get a print. Right. Although the vision is to be able to get closer to that, you know, someday. But right now it's the idea, yeah, lean it is it, it yeah, I guess lean I, I should use that. <laughs> lean manufacturing. Um and then as far as uh, like talking about the lean manufacturing thing, when you have the printer, I mean, as far as raw materials go, like you just like you basically just have like a giant tub of powder, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So we we actually make uh, so we 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 have a partner that makes um, Topreg or whatever you call it. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's po- it's polymer the the plastic and carbon fiber, which is well a fiber, and they combine it into a. Um, we call it filament. Uh, some people call it topreg. You can call it ultra narrow uh, composite tape. Whatever you call it, it's just this little this this filament of uh, of uh, carbon fiber uh, impregnated into a polymer matrix. And then we run that through our system, and laser bur- heats it up, uh, superheats it, and then gets that material gets pushed into the existing substrate. Uh, and there's a compaction, like a, a device, a roller, basically. And that's kind of how these 3D structures get made. Literally fiber bundle by fiber bundle. Got it. Um, yeah. So okay, it's so very it, different from a traditional manufacturer. Okay. So, I mean, so it's, so it's definitely not the same as sort of like a, like a 3D centered printed uh, titanium powder or something like that. And it's very yeah. different from the sort of uh, like polymer printing that people are used to. Yeah. In, in, F- like, it's not FDM. It's not SLA. It's none of that stuff. It's, okay. it's a direct, it's technically, it's called direct energy deposition. It's this uh, filament that's extruded from a robotic arm through its end effector, and so it's robotically driven, not uh, not digitally driven in a sense, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so where did the idea come about for the Superstrata in general? Um, you know, it came out of a desire to really raise the profile of the company so that we can generate more... Uh, just, just let people know that this is what we can do, you know? Um, now to be, I mean, (laughs) the backstory really is that we wanted to be printing frames for other manufacturers and basically nobody believed us. And so we, we had to resort to making our own brand. So that's how it was, uh, it was, I guess, uh, out of necessity. And so we said, that's it. No one believes us. We're going to just have to print, not just print, uh, a bike, but a compelling bike, like a pretty, something that looks really different and print a lot of them in a short period of time. Like so, the goal was how can we print like a thousand in a month, not like five, because then because a lot of people come to us asking us to make prototypes for them, and we're just not interested in doing that. That's just not that's not a not an interesting business from a financial perspective. Uh, but yeah, because it's a production. I mean, we want to transform production. We don't want to just help people make make new toys. Um. So the Superstrata, you said that you you. It was a product that you had in mind to to raise the profile of the company. Um, I guess how did the shape of it come about? Because yeah. clearly, the thing that's most eye catching about it is the fact that it doesn't have a seat tube. Um, yeah. So, is there a reason behind that? Like a yeah, like, that's like, a good question. It's a good question. I mean, uh, so, I mean, we, we've definitely uh, struggled to make the bike lighter. Uh, and adding a seat tube actually, as ironic as it sounds, adding that structure actually would have made making the bike. A lot uh, easier to be lighter because it's just easier to support a structure like that. But we intentionally left the seat tube off one to um, 
part of it was to make a point that we can make a complex structure like this because the structure to have a bike without a seat tube is is a, is a little more involved and more more uh, noticeable. Um, and we wanted to show that we can really make a strong frame even without a seat tube, uh, almost overstating our position a little bit. Uh, um, it also just stands out more. But from a functional perspective, honestly, it's really a design element. And I think uh, folks fell in love with the design because it's so different. Uh, but and, and I, I, w- I was just joking earlier that if you want to win a triathlon, you know, maybe go with uh, a name brand that has a ultralight buy. You know, get your ten thousand dollar bike. But if you want to win it in style, or maybe not top five, but top fifty, then Superstrada might be for you because it's definitely a very noticeable bike. I, I was rolling this around Eurobike, and it got a lot of attention. Oh, I bet, I bet. Um, yeah. So to be clear, you are not claiming in any way that this bike is, I guess, functionally from like a performance standpoint, fun- performance-wise, uh, superior to any of the major things that are out there right now. You're not, you're not claiming that it's, you know, lighter, yeah. stiffer, whatever. No, no, no. We're not, that, that's not the claim. The claim, it's, it's really uh, design, the look, the, the, it's the customization. I think the main draw for people is the customization because we really take a lot of measurements for, you know, your height, your inseam, your ankle height, knee. I mean, there's a lot of your wingspan and each frame is actually printed just for that profile. So, I mean, every frame is, is in fact, um, um, bespoke. Um, I mean, there's certain parts that are invariant, but, uh, you know, each frame really is, is pretty unique. So people who want a really customized experience, that's one. Second is um, people who enjoy the design. But otherwise, it's, you know, from a weight performance perspective, I'd say it's probably similar to other bikes. Although I think the price is pretty good. $2,800 for a custom-made carbon fiber bike seems like a pretty good deal to me. It's a pretty good deal. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to come back to the to the custom aspect of this in a minute. But yep. um, so per, performance wise, again, like you're not you're not making any wild claims or anything. But um, I mean, what what does this thing? What does it weigh, for example? Like, like what are we what are we looking at here? Like, let's talk yeah. about the bike itself. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, the weight will vary based on how your your size because everything's different. But uh, for a you know, I don't know five foot six person, I don't know what the average person, the, you know, the, the frame is now, uh, it's, uh, around 1.5 kilograms. Um, now we, we originally made this to be an e-bike and so it's a 1.5 kilogram e-bike frame. Um, we've had a lot of requests to make, uh, just a regular bike. So we, and we didn't have time at the time to change the design. So we just took the battery out and took the motor out. There you go. There's your bike. So, um, so the bike, the e-bike frame and the regular bike frame is actually the exact same frame. Yeah, because so I, I am sitting here in front of an actual sample that Sonny has graciously dropped off for me to, to to try out. And one of the things I noticed, and one of the things he he pointed out as well, is um, the down tube on this thing certainly is just huge. Uh, and then underneath, on the on the on the bottom uh, side of the down tube, by the bottom bracket, there is a big opening. It's capped on this bike, but there is a big opening where the battery and some of the electronics and stuff would go. So. Um, so the frame is 100% identical between this one and the e-bike version. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to convert this to an e-bike, I suppose you could. I mean, send it back to us. We'll put a battery in it and put a motor on it for Run you. a bunch but of wires. You might as well just like buy the e-bike to begin with, you know. But, uh, you know, some people like the sturdiness of a big down tube. Um, but it is a tough – It's a. It, uh, I don't know if I want to say that it can be your beater composite bike, you know. But it's, uh, it is thermoplastic, so it's very tough. So it's a it's a bike you want to, you can ride around town, not have to hang up on your wall, right? So I mean, and to be clear to listeners here, uh, 
I mean, you are not necessarily going for, you're not necessarily going after like the hardcore enthusiast cyclist with this bike because, um, and which is totally fine because from my perspective, if you are looking to appeal to kind of like a more of a mainstream audience, it does look really cool. It looks way different. It looks, uh, I guess much more modern than a lot of the high performance bikes that are out there. And for if you're kind of more of a casual cyclist, I, it's totally understandable why this bike would be so appealing if someone was looking at it on you know, Indiegogo, as the, as the case may be. Right, right. I mean, for some people, the 500-gram difference between this and a 1-kilogram frame or 800-gram frame matters, you know, because performance is, you know, important. But, you know, most of our audience actually can't tell the difference. And, uh, and actually, they can because most of our audience has never had a composite bike and so for to have anything less than three kilograms is incredible for them. Sure. Um, so it's, it's really depends. I mean, and also we have quite a few, uh, cycling enthusiasts who, who have bought this, um, you know, uh, and, and in fact, we actually just launched a, uh, um, a version of this bike with a, uh, with, um, Fernando Alonso with Kimoa. Kimoa is like one of his, uh, is his brand. And so we make the Kimoa there's a Kimoa version of this. It has his special like aqua colors, whatever. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he likes it. He's a performance guy. I don't know. He's not a cyclist like this, but, but, uh, you know, uh, known for that. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, there are people, I mean, I, 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 I for, for folks who are really into cycling, I think the way it fits into their portfolio, because most of the folks I know who have, who are, who are serious cyclists have a number of bikes. This would be their, Casual daily ride. Got it. You know, if you want to win a race, go go get use your seven hundred gram bike. You know? Okay. Um, talk to me about the thermal plastic versus thermal set thing. It's a it, it's a subject that we have talked about on Nerd Alert a, a fair bit. Okay. Um, but I, I'm I don't recall having someone who's so deep within the manufacturing side of things mm -hmm. on on the show. So. Um, okay. Yeah, why thermoplastic in this case? Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I'm not an expert in composites. I've only been in the industry for the last two and a half years. So, but I was enthralled by it because I was like, wow, what a cool industry to be in. Uh, so, thermoset is basically what uh, most composite bikes are made uh, are, are made from. It's a, just a certain type of polymer uh, that when you heat it and under pressure and heat, it it uh, change it, uh, it changes on a molecular level. It, it's set. It's very stiff, um, but uh, it can be it can, honestly it can be brittle, and so you know, that's why composite bikes often crack because it's uh, it's, it's thermal set. Um, and those processes are much easier to handle, especially if they're done manually. Um, and so that's why nearly all composite bikes are thermoplast are, are thermal set uh, carbon fiber composite. Okay, um, we. Um, came from the aerospace world and uh, where thermoplastic is, is, is often used. And thermoplastic is just another type of polymer um, that is, when exposed to heat, it melts um, and uh, doesn't change on a molecular basis, not significantly at least. And, and so, in fact, you can remelt it and recycle it. So, so technically, our, our therm the thermoplastic parts of our bike are technically uh, uh, recyclable, but I don't know why you'd want to do that. But <laughs> you could uh, if you if you uh, if you hated your bike, send it back to us. Maybe we'll melt it down, melt, make melt it, it down one. for you, make it into a trophy <laughs> for you or something. But um, we uh, but it's also but one of the advantages of thermoplastic is that it, you know similar strength profiles is that it's tougher um, and it's because it has more give and therefore um, it's just much more impact resistant you know when you think of composite bikes you don't think you don't associate impact resistance with it 
but thermoplastic carbon fiber is. It's much tougher of a material. And so um, this is a beast. I mean, this is a it's 1.5 kilograms of thermoplastic uh, toughness. So it's a it makes for a good I mean, not this bike, but uh, you know, if you wanted to make a mountain bike, it'd be a great material to make it out of. Yeah, I think we're we're definitely seeing a lot more use of thermoplastics in the cycling world in the last couple of years for sure. Mm. Uh, actually, I just uh, published a review uh, just a couple of days ago or yesterday, maybe even mm. of a uh, a gravel bike wheel set. Using uh, using carbon fiber rims that are thermoplastic, and they're using that the material specifically because they're tougher and because they can it can kind of right. handle the rock hits and stuff like that without cracking. Yeah, there aren't too many folks who are making the frame, and so the question is, why aren't we all using thermoplastic more? Right, because it in many ways it's a, it's a superior material. That's part of why a lot of the aerospace industry graduated to it because they wanted they needed that impact resistance or that that toughness. I think the short answer is that it's just a harder material to handle. Uh, the the temperature control has to be much more precise. And so it's just harder to deal with. So that's why people don't use thermoplastic. It's not like they don't want to. But with innovations in robotic controls and laser uh, laser control and power manu- management, and, you know, th- it's really become a much more... Um, it's more possible. You know, and that's that's what we do. I mean, that's most of the people on our team are not bike specialists. I mean, we're, we're getting more of those. They're material science, laser people, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is, like you said, I mean, the thermoplastic stuff has generally been been tougher. Um, the companies that I do know that use thermoplastic in their material, uh, in their products, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that process is automated. Yep. Um, if I remember correctly. You must have to. It's very hard with the human, right. yeah. But, but from what I understand, uh, I guess if I'm understanding this correctly, I think Gorilla Gravity is a mountain bike company yep, here yep, in Denver. Yep. Uh, and I believe their frames are thermoplastic. Yep. And they are supposed to be quite tough. Uh, that's mm. one of the things that they tout, that they're virtually indestructible. It's a good name for the brand, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. um, but I guess I guess one of the downsides is apparently you can't make thermoplastic structures as light as you could in a thermal set. Um, so like if you're looking at like absolute cutting edge for a stiffness to weight, that sort of thing, apparently thermal set's still the way to go. Yep. Um, yep, I would agree with that. But if you're not wanting to be kind of like right on that razor's edge, you've got a lot more room to play with. And then this like automated thermal plastic processes make yeah. a lot more sense. You, you would just have to redesign, um, just there are design implications. You know, if you did thermoplastic, like, you know, we've printed a one kilogram thermoplastic frame before, and it just looks different, right? So you have to think about those things. And so, yeah, I always tell people thermoplastic thermoset. It's it, it, you don't use thermoplastic to try to get lighter. Like you don't use our processes to get lighter stuff. Uh, you use our processes to get a, thermost- a, a thermoplastic structure one and two to get it faster uh, because. We don't have to use molds. We don't, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of advantages to using a 3D printing approach instead of a traditional manufacturing approach. Yeah, because like you said, the these printers themselves are not necessarily small, like a lot of people like to think of yeah. 3D printers. Yeah, these are However, right. when you compare that to having an entire manufacturing facility dedicated to making a thermal set project, oh yeah, no, that's, that's a whole different scale. Yeah, and it's a very dirty process. Like it's, very, I mean, you, you have a lot of steps. You've got these autoclaves. They're using compression molds more now than than auto. You know, but it's just, there's just a lot involved in doing that, and also the the time to you know because you have to build the molds first, and then if you screw up, you have to redo the molds, and then you got sizes. That's the other thing. Like you know, you have to make you know small, medium, large, or whatever. We don't have to do that. 
So let, let's let's go ahead and move on to the, the custom aspect that, that, uh, that I said I was going to come back to. Oh. How exactly are you doing that then? Because uh, I know in that Indiegogo campaign, you talked about how you basically have essentially kind of like almost infinite possibilities as far as sizing for that. You said you can go from like, you were planning for like a four foot seven rider up to like, I don't know, six foot something. I can't remember. Yeah, our, our, actually our tallest rider uh, customer is uh, 216 centimeters. I don't know what that is, 7'2 or something like that. Um, uh, what is that in freedom units? Uh, yeah, <laughs> freedom units, I love it. It's it, it's tall. Um, and then we have another person, I, I think male, uh, who's 212 so, uh, centimeters. That's, wait, is that right? Seven foot one? That's yeah, really we have, tall. We have 716. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. No, there, I mean, we have some tall, I mean, so we actually uh, strangely have attracted kind of more outlier, like, so we have the number of four feet 11 riders that we have, uh, customers, that's a lot. It's not representative of the human population. I think it's because we can do that. Like most, like if you're 411, you're, you know. The chances of a mainstream company bothering to design yeah. a bike and cut, um, cut molds for a thermoset frame for someone who's 411 is pretty small. Yeah, yeah. So we actually, I think our stats are something like 39, it was like 30, almost 40% of our riders are under 5'2". Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, I guess, shorter people. Um, and then we have some like, yeah, we have like these two guys, I, I think they're men, um, I, they might not be, I don't know, uh, who are seven, it's like seven one and seven three. Yeah, That's so, really tall. Yeah, it's a tall, tall, tall person. Um, and we can do that. It's not a problem. Now, I mean, we don't have infinite sizes because whether you're five foot one or five foot one point one, it doesn't matter. Sure. So we've quantized. So there is a quantization of it, but it's like, I think if you, I think we looked at it, it was like, it ended up being like thirteen sizes or something like internally. You know that you end up with because it doesn't matter whether you're five one and five one and a half. Right, because um, you're, you're essentially just changing the program. Yeah, not, yeah. You know, I mean, we could make it like that, but it. It just doesn't make any, you know, like you don't have to, we don't need to do that. Right. And so um, we can get to sizes uh, pretty specific and weird sizes pretty fast and without much, well, without any cost. So, um, so people appreciate that. that so th there's, there's a bespoke aspect to this. And also we have a lot of co colors, you know, we've invested a lot into making, we, we used to suck at paint. Oh my gosh. We had such a hard time getting the paint right. Because uh, we didn't know any, you know, so we we've we've spent You're not a lot a white of company. Yeah, so we've we've learned a lot and we've gotten better at it. We, we you know our paint used to chip a lot, but it doesn't chip anymore. It's really good now, and uh, so we brought that in house. And we we decided to triple down, and we said, well, let's just make while while we're at it, you know, learning about paint. Why don't we make really cool stuff? So we we have this, you know, these different treatments that we've come up with because you know a lot of people are enjoying this for the design. Why not? You know, and color is is an important part of that. So we've done that. Uh, cool. Um, I guess, uh, continuing on with the, with the customization aspect, um, you said you essentially have like something, something like 13 quantized sizes, essentially. Um, if, if, so you have an awful lot of backers now from that original Indiegogo campaign from a couple of years ago. Um, if someone had a really specific request who, who, who essentially, you know, crowdfunded a bike for themselves. Um, is that something that you can accommodate? Like if someone has really weird proportions, like they've got super, super long legs and a yeah. short upper body. Yeah, or yeah. Like we 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 can't we can. I mean, um we have folks who want the customization but don't want to go through the hassle of it. So we'll just take the height and inseam and that's it. Or just their height, that's fine, you know. Uh, but if you really want a customized experience where where like you really get the frame that you you're gonna love, 
it's it's like six or seven parameters that we take, and it takes time to to go through that, you know. And uh, most people seem to be okay doing it. Uh, so it's called the Superfit algorithm that we developed to take. I think we take your height, your inseam, your knee height, ankle height, uh, wingspan, weight. Uh, you know, so we we've, we. So we'll do all that, um, but not everyone is into that. Some people are like, "Look, I'm I'm five eleven, make me a bike," and I like that red one. Great, then then <laughs> and we're done. It's it's uh, gotcha, yeah. But if someone came to you and said, uh, "You know, I, I I funded my bike on Indiegogo. I know exactly what I want. I want like a I want a, a, a five forty stack and a three ninety reach and seventy mils of bottom bracket drop and this angle here, this angle there, so on and so forth." I mean, in theory, there, there you are could do some, all that. There, there are some. I mean, there are some parts of this that are invariant, uh, like our bottom bracket and chainstay head tube, for example, are pretty much same for everyone. And that's just a practicality thing. For yeah, because it's right. That, but like the 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 seat stay, the top tube. Um, I think parts of the. I think the down tube is also uh, custom, you know, and the, and those angles, those those are all adjustable. Okay, you know, um, and we do have to ISO test the edges and a few in between, um, to make sure it's safe. But uh, yeah, there's a pretty wide range. I don't think uh, we're short on that. Um, and some people are. The other thing is aggression. Okay, so some people have a certain size, but they want to ride more aggressively. So that influences stuff as well. Now you can always adjust the seat tube, uh, but actually I think it's, it's more limited. I think it's plus or minus uh, two and a half inches. So you right, only have the saddle height. Whatever. Yeah, for the okay. saddle height. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can adjust that too. Okay. Um, what about testing? Now it seems that um, from everything that we've discussed so far, thermoplastics, generally speaking, are tougher than thermosets. Yep. Um, these frames are not particularly light for a carbon fiber composite. And you're saying they're about 1,500 grams, something like that. Yep. Um, but uh, durability is something that we certainly talk about a lot in the cycling industry, mainly because, uh, because they're human-powered vehicles. There's always this emphasis to make things yeah. really, really light. Mm -hmm. um, but in the process of doing so, you're always also... I don't want to say compromising on strength exactly, but you're, well, I, you know, I guess I'm going to say like you, a lot of times companies compromise on strength a little, a little bit because they are, they are kind of like straying so close to They're that razor's thin, edge of yeah. the safety factor. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and, we are not, the, it's pretty tough. Um, I mean, this, I mean, the, this uh, class of frames we've tested, uh, the Superstrata frame, um, We've t I think we tested to 750 pounds. I think it was 3x the usual. Usually people post 250 pounds. Is the we went 3x that. And actually the seat post that we bought uh, actually broke before the frame did. Like we we actually we did we we didn't break the frame. It uh, it's at 750 pounds. Right. It was I don't a, it was recommend people okay. doing that. But so it's it's very tough. Okay. Um, what about the fork? Because uh, forks are definitely one yeah, area totally. where the cycling industry has seen an awful lot of issues. Uh, certainly, as as shapes have gotten more complicated and people start like you know hiding the cables inside, and yeah. Stuff like this that. this this forked two uh, x ISO standards. Okay, so um, we probably we should probably test to see if we hit three x, but I, I don't know. It's it, it yeah, very tough. So and and then because your process is uh, is automated, mm. uh, I guess another issue with thermal sets that you see a lot is because a lot of those individual pieces of carbon fiber are hand laid inside of the mold. Yes. Um, yes. I guess you don't have that sort of issue. Yeah, yeah. So the other so the thermoplastic toughness is kind of one thing, but the I, I would say the main thing really is the process because the it's consistency. Yeah, the whole thing is 
yeah, well, robots more consistent than humans, but the um, the whole thing is the unibody. It, it truly is unibody. It never came from multiple pieces. Um, you know, because people say, "Well, my bike's unibody." I'm like, "No, it's one piece, but it didn't start as one piece. It started as five pieces, and if you rammed it into a tree, it will probably go back to five pieces." But uh, <laughs> this one came started as one piece, and um, it would take quite a bit of force to make it into five pieces. Uh, it's um, yeah, because the whole thing was printed as one thing. There's no we didn't, we don't have like bladder molds or anything like that. Right, it comes out of the printer like that. And yeah, then the whole thing is just... one. So there's no weak points. I mean, there's no weak points in the from the perspective of of there being seams or bolts or that kind of thing. Okay, and then yeah. um, as far as um, I guess some sort of like defect, so to speak, like you wouldn't have the issues necessarily of. Uh, potentially like human error that you would occasionally get in a thermo set frame that's traditionally made. In this, if there's something wrong, then I guess more likely than not, it would be something that had to do with the initial program. I mean, there's still some, uh, right now there's a human touch to it because we sand things by hand, right? And so there's there's going to be, you know, some variation there. But it's not that much. I mean, um, you know, it's painted by hand. I mean, we we have actually a robot that does the we call it a haircutting operation because there's a lot of things sticking out. And then so we haircut, then we sand, we paint. Um, those are all human done right now. Uh, over time, we'll roboticize, but right now we don't. I mean, the, our focus is production and, and making the actual part, fabricating the part right now. Got it. Okay. Um, so this Indiegogo campaign wrapped up, I guess, almost two years ago now. At this point, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, where are you at with production and delivery and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So we we started the campaign in July 2020. Uh, we finished in October 2020. And our promise was first bikes out um, by the end of December 2020. And we did actually ship a couple of bikes then, but we uh, we actually had a pause because we couldn't, like I said, you know, we, we couldn't make them fast enough. So we've, we focused on making printers. We made a bunch of printers. We made 70, you know, 10x more printers. And, um, and, uh, you know, just, there's been a whole bunch of delays, you know, the COVID supply chain, all the, you know, anyways, fast forwarding through all that uh, mess, we are finally delivering. So by the end of this month, we should be at 1300 bikes shipped and, uh, we are doing hundreds per month. I mean, we are hoping to get through a bulk of the, if, of, of the, of the backer bikes by the end of the year. So presumably it's you're late. So we're super late and we feel horrible about it. A lot of things have been out of our control, but at the end of the day, we're responsible for shipping bikes. But but I feel like people who have even a little bit of experience with crowdfunded products, I, I feel like people should be at this point be sort of should be expecting that there's going to be delays. I mean, it might be particularly well, it might not always be particularly long, yeah. but uh, it it sure seems to me that anyone who has any experience with crowdfunded product products, yeah, yeah like that, that's a very a nice while. way to think about it. I mean, we it's true. I mean, I've backed a lot. I've actually backed over eight hundred campaigns on Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo. So I've been Dear told God, that I'm a brave. I'm an ultra backer. Yeah, and I, I, so I have data personally on it. Over ninety percent of campaigns are late. But I mean, they're not two years. They're not. We're we're two years late, man. Like or one and a half, two years depends on what, 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 where where you start. Um, actually we've shipped a number of bikes, so the, but whatever, a year and a half, two years, that's really late. Okay. Sure. So we feel terrible about that. No, make no mistake. And we, you know, we, you know, um, but uh, the vast majority of folks have been very patient, uh, with us because they do understand and they know that, you know, Superstrata isn't just about, oh, you know, another bike. It's about, I mean, we want to transform manufacturing. We want to make the world lighter. That's the 
the point of doing this. The fact that Superstrata is a, itself as a product that took off is something that completely d- delighted us, horrified, ter- terrified us, and uh, now I guess is delighting us because we we it's we're having fun with it, <laughs> you know. Um, and my understanding is certainly maybe because you are essentially like a startup by company at this point. Um, yeah. And you didn't really have a whole lot of experience with sourcing the components that you do not manufacture in-house. And it sounds like that was quite a trial by fire for you. Yeah, yeah. No, there were a couple of branded uh, suppliers, won't mention names, that, uh, you know, we we put in the money. You know, there's only two, right? (laughs) So we ordered those and paid for them. And then we were told six-month lead times, which from the consumer electronics world, which is where I'm from, seems outrageous, a six-month delay. And then they came back after six months, and then it was like, oh, actually, it's 12 months. Oh, geez, another six months. I'm like, oh, no, no, another 12 months. I just couldn't believe that. Like, who, what kind of industry <laughs> can't respond? Because, like, it, the semiconductor, even the semiconductor industry, for all of the delays, it's not that bad. It's like weeks of months of delay, not years, you know, like – so uh, it's been definitely a struggle with us, but we've been able to find alternative suppliers, and and it's been, it, it is I think it's it is now much better than it was like a year ago. Yeah, and before we started recording, one of the things that you mentioned was that a lot of the people who who have backed this project, uh, again, like like I said, they're they're not necessarily traditional hardcore enthusiast cyclists. So um, you were saying that a lot of those backers. Like may not necessarily even be super familiar with some of those mainstream brands that you were having problems sourcing. Yeah, stuff yeah. Anyway. Most most of our backers actually have have don't know uh, much about the the, the brand the, the brands. You know, they've never heard. Uh, many of our backers have actually never heard of Shimano or SRAM. Believe it or not, um, they just don't know what it is. There was one guy who thought uh, SRAM was a semiconductor company making SRAM chips, and I'm like, "What do you need memory chips?" No, no, no it's a, that's actually a company name. <laughs> but um, you know, we, we've certainly had to learn all that stuff, and we. Um, but uh, you know, I, I feel like we're getting past that now. Like we we, we can finally get some decent supply. Um, they might not be fancy branded components, but they're they're they, they work quite well, and they're available. And for twenty eight hundred dollars for a custom made totally bespoke carbon fiber bike it's a decent deal uh, you know and and now if you order it now um it will be shipped within a month um you know so we have you know how how long it takes to get there well it depends on whether you pay for air or or, or, or a boat but uh and that's actually another thing shipping costs have completely skyrocketed in the last uh, year and a half i mean that, that that's very real um uh, that's one of the things i wanted yeah. to talk to you about because um you had brought up this notion of uh, of printing farms. Um, yep. I can't remember if, there was the, if that was on the campaign or if that was something that you and I had just chatted about before we started recording. But because the actual printers themselves are, I mean, essentially portable, right? I mean, yeah, depends, I mean depending on yeah, how you consider I mean, you portable. can ship them around. Uh, uh, you know, you can't ship a car factory around. Uh, right. But you said that each printer is roughly the size of like a shipping container sort yeah, of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So it certainly is a lot easier to ship a shipping container someplace yep. and then produce multiple shipping containers worth of bikes, right? So what what is the what does this whole printing farm thing look like? And yeah, does, yeah. So the the, the vision is to have a global network of these print farms. We're starting in uh, in Vietnam because we just have a lot of local advantage there. We just you know we're from there, so uh, a lot of great talent there. So that's why we're starting there. But um, 
next year, in the years to come, uh, we plan on building a farm in Europe and one in the United States. Uh, we have a few potential sites that we've looked at. Um, and because we want to be able to print locally, you know, we want to eliminate this whole thing where you make a bunch of stuff in China and then ship it around the world. That just seems like a, like, that's such a 2020 way of doing things, you know, like in the 2030s, of course, we're going to be having large, massive print farms and making things locally and roboticizing production and making things just in time, right? Of course, that's going to be the future. And so we're, we're trying to push, hopefully get started on doing that sooner. Um, and yeah, so we want to be a printing, we want to be making super stratas to be, we want them to be made in America in the, in the years to come. We want them to be made in Europe in the years to come. And if you are a European customer, you submit your order, we print it in Europe, ship to you, we, you know, and, uh, built in a few weeks time, ship to your door. If you're in Asia, we'll print in Vietnam. If you're in the United States, we'll print in wherever, you know, Indiana or Texas, wherever uh, the, the farm uh, will end up being, makes more sense. You know, it's much more environmentally smart to do that. Um, logistically, it'll be it'll cost less as well, and and also it's easier to service. You know, like if um, at the end of the day, if we print the wrong thing, we can just print another bike. You know, um, from what I remember. So this is not Arrivo's first foray into bicycles. Um, mm. I can't remember how many years ago it was, but um, there was a company, Emery Bikes. I yeah. don't know if they're still around, but I know that that they worked with you to produce that bike, and that was like a like an e townie bike. Sort that's of thing. right. That's right. Um, I actually haven't really kept up with what's going on with them. Are, are they still around? Are you still making bikes for them? No, no, no. We we stopped that project a, a few years back, but it was a it was like this prototype. Uh, I mean, that was before I joined, so I don't have much knowledge about that. Um, but that was quite a bike. I mean, that was a, not just thermal plastic, but that was a peak bike. So this is, you know, probably either, either ketone. I mean, this is about as advanced of a material as it gets. Very expensive. This is probably one of the most expensive bikes ever, ever printed or well, ever made, uh, from, at least from a composite perspective. Uh, and just to be clear, when you say peak, you mean like acronym P-E-E-K, right? Yes. Poly yeah. P-E-E-K. So that's the polymer matrix used for making that bike. Um, and that's actually the same material used in uh, military f aircraft, right? So it's it's the it's the the king of the hill in terms of polymers go. You know, we use uh, PA, polyamide, you know, nylon uh, matrix, which is what what's appropriate for a consumer industry. But yeah, that was a number of years back. So we, uh, we so we have some experience printing bikes, but that was a very different looking bike too. Had a C tube. <laughs> Did have a C tube? <laughs> yes. Um, where does Superstrata go from here? Because one thing I wonder about is if Arrivo is looking at Superstrata primarily as a means of kind of getting some more public awareness of the company's manufacturing capabilities and just sort of like the, 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 the bigger message of, uh, I guess, making just more general consumer goods lighter uh, and you know, lean local manufacturing, uh, you know, reduced manufacturing waste, that sort of thing. Um, is, is Superstrata, like, does it have a long-term prospect to it or is it sort of like a relatively short-term, like kind of like a glorified marketing campaign, essentially? Like, what, mm. what, what's the future look like for this brand? So originally it was supposed to be a demonstration product. Print a few hundred bikes, check it out. Okay, now let us print your bikes or let us print your electric vehicle or fixed, you know, fixed wing aircraft. I don't know, whatever it is, the, the, it is that you want us to print for you. But, um... The world's changed in the last few years. Um, How so? <laughs> just 
bikes. I mean, people love, love, love e-bikes. And so Superstrada is going to be, it has become a much more significant part of our business, the the primary business for us. And so we're in some ways shifting to be an e-bike company. I mean, that is our focus. So super, I mean, but, but the vast majority of e of uh, Superstratas are, are e-bikes. So like, I think 75 or 80%. Uh, we may just make it a hundred percent, but I don't know. People still buy the regular bike, even though it's like this, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a non-traditional composite bike, you know, but people love the design. So we'll keep doing it. Um, but the, I think it's got a long future because, uh, of the design, what it stands for people, people like it, you know, so we're going to keep selling it as far as long as people, uh, like the idea of having a customized bike that's made for them, 3d printed in a clean way. Um, so I think we're going to be around for a while, but I think the shift will be focusing more on, on e-bikes. Is it possible that, um, let's just say Superstrata continues on in the background or something like that, but is, is it, I, I would imagine this is something that you've talked about, whether, um, whether it's possible a Revo could end up being more of like a contract manufacturer for other bike brands who. Yeah. So we've got quite a few, we've got 15 bike brands waiting for us to print for them. Um, but we uh, we're just out of capacity because we we really have to focus on shipping. We have to prioritize our our backers who support us from the beginning. Sure, we have to ship those bikes. So we we've put on hold all of those projects and are uh, are are just very much focused on just printing Superstrata. Um, so that's we're going to be busy with that, and we'll we'll start taking new orders probably in a couple months time. Um, but, but we yeah. But looking further out, I mean once. Once you are presumably at a point where you've cleared out the backlog of Superstrata, mm. you're back down to a lead time that you want to be at. Yep. Um, and assuming, like you said, the, the parent company is focused more on just sort of like lean manufacturing and lightweighting in general. Yep. Um, at at some point, do you do you foresee that you would potentially kind of kind of circle back to yeah, that original absolutely. Goal? We got a lot of folks who want us to print for them. So once uh, Superstrata is stabilized and uh, you know, we, we've worked out all the kinks on the product. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be releasing new Superstrata models, by the way, not, not just new paint treatments, but different shapes and different versions and whatnot. So we'll, we'll definitely be developing this product brand, but for sure the, in the longer term, uh, you know, making a more scalable business, it will be, we're looking forward to printing other people's stuff. And then looking even further out, um, you had mentioned that, looking at it from kind of more of like an ecological sort of thing, like just the lean manufacturing thing in general, the reduced waste, the recyclability, that sort of thing. Has Arivo looked so far out as to consider like truly circular manufacturing in the sense that, you know, let's say you did become a contract manufacturer for whatever. Let's say someone wanted to do like a 3D printed refrigerator or whatever. Um, is it the sort of thing where, like, would it even be possible to fulfill that role, but also serve as sort of like a like a recycling center for the products that you have manufactured for someone. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 possible, you know, because thermoplastic, like I said, is is you can remelt it back to and and use it. But you know, our focus is really going to be on making the overall process cleaner. You know, you don't have all of the baggage that you'd need for traditional manufacturing. You don't have the shipping. You know, we can do this locally now. I mean, making a, a carbon fiber bike 
locally in the U.S. right now, probably not a good idea, I mean, cost wise. I mean, unless you want. I mean, there pay. are a handful of companies who do it, but they're quite expensive. Yeah, they're they're more expensive, but uh, to be able to pull off a sub three thousand dollar composite bike in the made in the United States, it's going to be tough. It's going to be it's going to take some time to get there, and so uh, the focus is going to be the the uh, the climate change benefits from the lack of shipping things, making it just in time. And um, just a, a, a cleaner like manufacturing setup, you know, you don't have all this over. It, it's just this machine that that prints it. In terms of recycling, I think it's a that's a taller order. Uh, I don't think that's practical because it's not even that much material. You know, just recycle your plastic bottles. You're that's going to be vastly more plastic saved. Right, because I guess ultimately, like you said, I mean, it's just one bike. How many bikes are you going to have? Well, I don't know. Some people have a lot of bikes. Well, but but still, like you're looking at um, in its current form. You said it's about one and a half kilos worth of material. Um, which, yeah, compared to how yeah. many you know plastic water bottles somebody might go through potentially in a year, that it's it, definitely doable. I mean, if we take it back, grind it up, you know, and make it, uh, yeah. So that's and then melt, remelt that. T- definitely doable. And if there's consumer demand for that kind of thing, we'll totally do it. You know, um, but we don't want to be too preachy about it. We want to give people the choice for <laughs> what they want. And if they if there's enough people saying, okay, I want to recycle my bike, and then we'll apply it and. I don't know, like a recycling program where we take your bike back, we grind it up, use it, and then give you like a voucher, a discount on a new bike. Yeah, we would totally do that. Actually, that's maybe we should. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess we'll, <laughs> well, well, we'll know where it all started. You know, <laughs> we'll credit you for for that idea. Whoever ends up with with the headache of trying to figure out that program can blame me someday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Well, cool, um, Sunny. I'm glad to see that as of at least as of right now, this. It doesn't necessarily look like it's going to be like the next SpeedX sort of thing. It looks like hopefully, hopefully Superstrata has some longer legs in that. Yep. Um, and it is certainly pretty fascinating to actually be looking at a finished product in front of me. So that is certainly reassuring in and of itself. I, I wish you the best of luck. I'm, I'm certainly very, very curious as to the bigger picture of the the leaner manufacturing of a Revo in general and like that that sort of thing I find absolutely fascinating so we'll be keeping an eye on this one yeah and also the industry of the e-bike world is is fascinating you know and I don't know I think for Superstrata a 1.5 kilogram e-bike frame that is competitive uh, from what I hear sure um, absolutely you know uh, and that's what it was originally made for you know um, but we've definitely thought about making a, a, a lighter, uh, like regular version of the Superstrata. Maybe it's time to redesign it to, so that it's lighter. But yeah, we're excited to be part of this industry. I think it's 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 an amazing time to be doing this. You know, we could if this was done even like five years ago, it'd be completely different because the demand for bikes now is is totally different. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, cool, Sunny. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for. Uh, you know, taking the time to sit down here and come to visit us in person, bringing this sample over mm-hmm. here. Um, like I said, I, I'm super fascinated to, to follow this and see how this goes. Uh, if you do continue on with this e-bike development, for sure, let us know. I'd love to take, take a look at it and maybe right. have you on again and talk about it some more. Thanks, James. But yeah, thanks again for being on the show. And like I said, good luck. We'll see where this goes. Thanks so much for having us. 